enemies must fall. Demonic spirits must fall by the power of Jesus in you. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during that time that they are prophesying, and they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. And it goes on and on. But guess what the message to you today is? Are you the end times church? Do you have power and authority granted to you through the Lord Jesus Christ? All right, it is time to walk in it. It is time to get rid of the fear. There is no reason that every believer cannot walk, lay hands on the sick, and they're healed. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful because God's word is alive. It is alive. You know, after I recently came back from the third heaven, excuse me, this is one thing that the Lord has so impressed upon my heart. And you guys are going to get it. If you don't have it already, you are going to get it. The word of God is actually living. Okay? It's not some idleness that you, you put forth from your spirit, your heart, your mouth, and it does nothing. It's not that. It's not ineffective. It is actually living. I saw it. I saw it. When you all were praying for me, by the way, again, thank you, can't thank you enough. It is so important to be faithful in prayer. So important. When you all were praying for me, I saw the pictures of the prayers. They were living, they were moving. They were blasting everywhere. It is what kept me from going on through that portal. I did have to agree with the prayers. I did have to agree with the word of God. Don't bother praying anything other than the word of God. Just just get that out of your system right now. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Well... The Lord is never short about what to do, so don't pray that. You understand what I'm saying? Find the situation in the word and speak forth the answer. If you don't have the answer by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give it to you because the word says that he is a word, whether you turn to the left or to the right, he is a word telling you what to do all the time. Every single one of you hears from the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of yielding. Okay? So that was my pre-message, I guess, or something, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in this church, he's welcome to do. And I just prayed that we all listen. That we all listen that we all are yielded vessels. So anyway, the one thing, not one, the one, one of the things that he has so impressed upon me is to get across to his children that his word is living, 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 creative, active. It is life. Hebrews 4.12. Oh, by the way, our message today is about the joy anointing. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living. See, I didn't even need to go to heaven to learn that, did I? 
But you know, God's so good because when he showed it to me, it became more of a reality in my life. You know, revelation. Revelation comes in many ways. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Praise you, Father. You see, we are after attitudes of heart. You know, that's the biggest problem with the church. The biggest problem with the, well, one of the problems with the church is it seems like we're after, okay, I take that back. We RCC are not after this. At RCC, we are after heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? We're not after programs. We're not after uh, rituals or routines or the way it's always done. I don't really care how it's done as long as it's done God's way. So anyway, we are after the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, and the Word shows us how to correct ourselves. Okay. God's word is alive. It created flesh. It created flesh. You can go to Genesis. It created, you know, light be. It created Adam. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, said, spoke. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That's you. Receive that. That's you. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. That's you. In all its fullness. Completeness. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, God's word, his, his word, is his very substance. It is the very substance of God. Okay, can we... we are we expanding our brains and our minds today and our emotions and our hearts? Okay. It is his very substance, his character. It is his life. It is his life. It is his life. What do you want in your life? His life. That's what we want. It is not. It is not. It is not just a representation of him. Does that make sense? It is him in fullness, in life, in substance. It creates. It brings healing. Her leg grew out two inches last Sunday. That's a creative miracle. Okay? All right. It is God himself. When you speak it, you are speaking God into a situation. That's what I want in my life. All the time. I want to speak God. Why? The real question is, why would we speak anything else? That's the real question for us. God spoke Adam and Eve into existence and breathed his spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit. If you are a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. O breath of God. O breath of God. Hallelujah. So the Word, the Word, the Spirit, the word is the very breath of God. He breathed it, he spoke the word, and he breathed. The very life, the ver his very substance. 
It is the fullness of God. It is the whole substance. It is the completeness. It is Jesus. The Word become flesh. Can the Word become flesh in your body? Yes. We need to take this literally. It is Jesus in all his power, in all his supremacy, in all his authority, in all his divinity. Well, he was a man on the earth, right? But he had to speak the word just like you have to speak the word by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us revelation. Okay. The word is what? The word is, the word, the word is the very life force of the divine. You get that? You speak divinity when you speak the word. It is the flesh of Christ and the breath of God altogether. The word carries in it all the very anointing, anointing because it's alive, anointing of God. It summons angels that beck and call. You can, you can read that in Hebrews. Hebrews 1.14 are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The word in your mouth does that because they will respond to the word of God, to the spoken word of God. So Jesus Christ, we're going to study what Jesus Christ means, I just, I know y'all probably know this, but we're going to go through it to solidify it because it helps your faith, right? When you see it practically, logically, it, it helps your faith. Christ, you know, we always say Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. It is a supreme title. It is a supreme title. The Greek word Christos is a translation of the Hebrew noun, noun, mashiach, I'm, I'm terrible at pronunciation of those words, so however you want to say it, you say it. And mashiach, we get the English word messiah, okay, translation, messiah. You can also go to Strong's if you want to look this stuff up. So the Hebrew noun, Meshiach, comes or is related to the verb, Meshach. Okay? Noun, verb. Meshach. Noun is a substance. Verb is an action. Okay? So verb, the ver verb Meshach means to anoint. It means to anoint. So you get that? So Messiah, our English translation, is the anointed one. The anointed one. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Okay, does that make sense? Because, you know, we can throw that around all the time. We can just say, oh, I'm an anointed of the Lord. That's not something to throw around. It's something to believe. It is something to truly understand. It is something to walk in. It's not a throwaway term. It is so important that we understand what it is. Even Jesus himself confirms this definition. He calls himself the Christ. He calls himself the Messiah. Okay, I'm going to read those to you. So, because you know that the glory that the Father gave him, he gave to you, right? That's in the scripture. Okay? Mark 14, 61 and 2. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah? What, is the, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yes. The son of the blessed one. I am, uh, said Jesus, and
and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rather hands. Amen. That's right, Evelyn. Well, I was just thinking of going off on a tangent. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> but when you have kids and grandkids, you get them sitting under the anointing. Don't let them go to a church that plays games if you put them in children's church. I mean, God games are okay. Things that bring out all the power of the gospel. But video games and things like that, I'm sorry, if you're in a church that does that, just get out before it's too late. Because you have a responsibility to your children and your grandchildren and any young one that you can influence to get them to into a word, Holy Spirit, anointed church. Sunday is not a time to play secular games. That was my tangent. <laughs> Rotherhams, art thou the Christ? the Son of the Blessed, and Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. In the Aramaic, but Yeshua said to him, I am the living God. I am the living God. If he is his word, his word is living. He was the word made flesh. The word is alive. It is alive. It is alive. So, God anointed Jesus. Hallelujah. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all, all, A-L-L, -L, all, who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. If you are a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is God with you? Is Jesus Christ in you? Are you hidden in Christ? Okay, so when you walk in a room, everything should thunder. Demons run. Because of what is in you. Beloved, don't ever fear. God is his word. I don't even like the term God backs his word. I mean, you know, it's okay. It's not like a major sin or anything if you use that phrase. But the reality is, he is his word. Don't be afraid. <laughs> the word isn't going to work. God is not sleeping. His life is in his word. Is that making sense to everybody today? If it doesn't make sense to your brain, well, just move your brain on out of the way and engage your spirit. Okay? All right. <laughs> so, believers, now we're going to go on to the next step. Because we know Jesus is the anointing. God anointed Jesus. You, believers in Christ, are anointed ones. You are the anointing of Jesus, and the world needs you to show up and show out big for him. Now, anointing does refer to priests and prophets 
and people in you know certain designated offices. But it refers to every single believer in Christ. We're going to go through a little bit here. Okay, you may not be Jesus, the anointed one, but you are an anointed one through him. Okay? All right. First Chronicles 16, 12 through 22. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, and I understand this is Old Testament, but we're going to move into the New Testament. You, his servants, and I understand this is talking about Israel, but you are grafted into the covenant, and you have Jesus, okay? So y'all know the, the, the chain, right? Okay, good. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth, he remembers his covenant forever. You are grafted in. His covenant is permanent with the believers. It doesn't change. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. Well, what an inheritance you have. And in Jesus Christ, what does Ephesians tell us? You receive every spiritual blessing in Christ, right? Okay? So, so don't disqualify yourself. When, there, when they were but a few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Okay, here is the covenant promise. He allowed no one to oppress them. Do you want that in your life? Well, guess what? It belongs to you already. You stay attached to Jesus. You stay in his presence. You worship the king. And guess what? You receive the promise when you become a believer. Now, should you stop there? No. Because you just want to grow and grow and grow. Glory to glory to glory, right? He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. What's a king? It's not just a person on earth. What can be a king in your life? What? A stronghold. Any idol that you have. You see? Through him, the victorious one, we demolish strongholds. They can be anger. They can be greed. They can be the fact that you're always being offended. They can be the fact that you don't feel worthy. Jesus makes you worthy. It can be... You know, multifarious things. You know, you know the challenges in your own life. Right? Do not touch my anointed ones. Okay, see there when it says my anointed ones? That's his children up above. He's talking about you, his servants. Now there he's talking about Israel, but we know we're part of the covenant. His chosen ones, the children... He remembers his You see that? You see why that includes you? Okay, well, if you don't, we're going to go to the New Testament. My anointed ones, his, that's you, do my prophets no harm. So here are your New Testament scriptures, referring to believers as the anointed ones. You recognize that it wasn't just his disciples that were anointed. Are you a disciple? Okay. 1 John 2.18, dear children, this is the last hour. We should, all, we should all register with that. 
dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, okay? Those are people who did not, who did not seek the presence of Christ. Okay? And those yet to believe, let's put it that way. They went out from us. They didn't truly believe. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. See, this is a heart thing. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. He's talking about belonging to Christ. But you, but you, how many of you in this room are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay, so this is talking about you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. That's Jesus. The truth is Jesus. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. If you take anything in your life and you match it up against this holy word, you will never be deceived. This is the one and only and the absolute truth. And no lie can come from this. So we want to know the word, know the word, know the word, know Jesus. Okay? Because you, here, because you do not, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth, the living word, the living word. As for you, okay, the anointing you received, the past tense from him, remains in you, okay? If he says that to me, if the word says that to me, he, the word, <laughs> you get <laughs> the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but as the anointing teaches you about all things and as the anointing is real it is real it is true it is alive it is not counterfeit Just as it is taught you, remain in him. That's the key. Remain in him. Praise you, Lord. Fear not, beloved children. A living word, Jesus, lives in you. All you need to do is stay yielded. Just seek more and more revelation. The Holy Spirit gives you revelation of the truth and the life, the creative force of the Word. 2 Corinthians 1.21 Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Does that make you feel awesome? That the Lord has anointed you with his anointing? Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What are you expecting? What are you expecting on this earth? Are you expecting in these last days to bring people in to the knowledge of Christ? Are you expecting to lay hands and see people healed? Are you expecting for the full manifestation of Christ in your life? Are you expecting healed relationships? 
Are you expecting the glory? Are you expecting the kingdom of God anointing here? Are you expecting the atmosphere of heaven in your life? say that. Ephesians 1, 3. And you also, you also were included in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You were included in Christ. You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, no other qualification there. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Is there anything that the Lord wants you to do that you cannot do in Christ? Who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? So, what does God have for his, for, for his anointing? Knowing the anointing. When we, we, we must know about the anointing. We must know that. How else do you know what to expect? How else do you know what is true? Okay. With the anointing, we walk in the victory of Jesus. Okay. Unfailing kindness. Unfailing kindness. Psalm 1850, we studied this whole psalm the last several weeks. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. How many of you in this room receive unfailing kindness from the Lord? Yeah, that's good. Know how much he loves you. It's so important. Until you know how much he loves you, you can't walk in that love, can you? See, you must know. You must know that before all other things, how much he loves you. Impenetrable protection and an unbreakable covenant. We discussed that. We discussed that when we just talked about First Chronicles, right? Y'all remember that long ago? <laughs> of course you do. You are, as a believer, as his child, you have an unbreakable covenant filled with his covenant promises. He saves us from harm and causes us to stand firm even in the most challenging of circumstances. See, your eyes, you know, frankly, honestly, okay, y'all are just going to think I'm some simpleton at this point, but why do you even care what's going on? Not in terms of caring with your heart. I don't mean that. But caring in terms of anxiety. Why do you even become anxious about what's going on in the world? That's a question we should all be asking ourselves. Yes, we care. Our hearts are for people to know Jesus and to not suffer. But why would they be anxious about anything that's going on? If you walk in the joy of the Lord, you're going to be the most effective you can be for him. Nobody needs a believer walking around in anxiety. I mean, they, they don't even go together. <laughs> yeah, you know, anxious, anxiety doesn't even belong to you unless you just take it. Well, that's foolish. That's a foolish act. Taking on anxiety. Psalm 20. How many of you did your homework this week? and read Psalm 20 and 21. Thank you! <laughs> Psalm 20. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He saves his anointed. 
He is, oh, beloved, listen to the beauty of these words. The reality of God, the reality of Jesus in your life. I know it's Old Testament, but okay, y'all understand what I'm talking about. Now, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Thank you, Lord. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. See, human power, okay? We don't want to reside there. We don't reside there. But we trust in the name of our Lord, our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. Who's that? Who's that? The people who trust, yes, the world. The people who trust in horses and chariots. Just told you that. Oh, by the way, you were all right. <laughs> and I very much appreciate those who participate. Thank you. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. That's you, yielding to the anointing that is in you. So, we know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, right? So we all know that all that is in Jesus, right? And you all know that all those have been given to you through Jesus, right? The character, the character of God. Okay, well, I learned something over the last few weeks that Jesus is the joy anointing. There is a joy anointing. And if you are anointed of Jesus, which the believers are, you have a joy anointing. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You know, we should all be so happy about that. That should just make us ecstatic. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, here it is, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. The oil of joy, it is an anointing. You have it. It will set you above your companions. Now that's not haughty. We don't, we don't ever think those things in a haughty manner because the least will be the greatest. The last will become first, right? We prefer others, correct? Okay, I'm not going to go into all that. This, the, the New Testament passage that we just read, the Hebrews passage, if we read Psalm 45, verse 7, it says the same thing. Okay, what's your homework this week? To go study Psalm 45 and any of the other psalms that we've talked about here today. But in Psalm 45, you can look at, that, you can look at it in a, a people sort of way and see that it could be about um, a love relationship between uh, human beings. But the beauty of this, the beauty of this psalm is that it is a love relationship between Christ and his bride the church, that's you. The church. Okay. It is about Christ and his bride, the church. It is a love song. 
It is God in love with you. It, now, there are other things in there, okay? It's, it sings of the excellency of Christ. It talks about his conquest over enemies. It talks about his, God's everlasting throne. It talks about Christ's love for his church, and it talks about the glories and the excellencies of the church because of the grace of God, okay? But we're going to focus today, because that's what the Lord told me to focus on, was the joy anointing. Psalm 45, 7. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So in Christ, in the Messiah, we have the anointing of joy. How does the anointing of joy help you when you yield? When you yield. Everyone has a choice to be a grumbler and a complainer. Everyone has a choice to get their eyes on the world. Everyone has a choice to be moved by what they see and by what they feel. But when we yield to the joy anointing, we are not moved by what we see in the world. Okay? So, the oil of joy sets us above our companions. It gives us the very strength and the power and the completeness of Christ. <laughs> it enables us to praise unashamedly, unreservedly. How can you walk in the anointing of joy and not have a heart expounding in praise? Impossible. It enables us to rest in God. When you walk in the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When you walk in that, Truly, when you allow that anointing, that oil to wash over you and to be in you and to bubble up from you, it brings you into a rest in the Lord. It brings you into an understanding of what these psalms that we've been studying are saying. He upholds you by his right hand. You stand firm in him. You are his, good ple his pleasure and his desire. You see, he takes care of you. You can rest in him. It enables us to surmount hardship. It enables us to defeat discouragement in our lives, oppression in our lives, sadness of any kind. We yield to the joy anointing. It enables us basically to walk on the heights. He says it sets you above your companions. It enables us to walk on the heights of God, the atmosphere, to walk in the atmosphere of heaven. How many of you want to walk in the atmosphere of heaven here on earth? Completely possible. It's expected. God expects that for you. Hallelujah. It causes us, when we yield to the joy anointing, it causes us to come up higher. Okay. Nehemiah 8, verses 8 through 12, that's where the term, and, and you, I know you all know this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, what happened here, what brought joy was the reading of the book of the law, the book of Moses, okay? That's, and it wasn't just the reading, it was the understanding, the understanding. Understanding implies revelation, okay? So that's what brought the joy. It was knowledge of, but more so understanding in, in the Old Testament, it would have been adherence to the law. Okay, but in the New Testament, Jesus has abolished the law, right? We have a new command, right? It is the command of love, right? Right? Okay, so love is the new law, right? Okay, so Nehemiah, when we go back to Nehemiah, I'm just going to say, to me, this whole situation that we read about here is a foreshadowing 
of the Jesus joy anointing. Okay? It is a foreshadowing of what we are to receive. What was happening here is the wall of Jerusalem had just been finished. Do you think that would bring great joy? Yeah, of course it would. It was a day of celebration. So we go to Nehemiah. They read from the book of the law of God. It was Ezra. He was a priest and a scribe. He was reading. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, making it clear, the law of God, making it clear, and giving the meaning so that the people could understand, that's revelation knowledge, what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. That's a whole other message, awesome, about what we should be doing. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, knowing the Lord, understanding the word. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Some translations there say stronghold. It holds you strong. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy. Understanding of the word should bring us great joy. Understanding what the word is, the very life force of God brings great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. It is the, re the word. It is the revelation of all of Jesus. All of Jesus. It's what you're after. The word is our joy. The word is our joy. Revelation of the word. Understanding of the word. Understanding the co completeness. Knowing the word brings joy. The true Jesus. Knowing the true Jesus. Not pharisaical religion. Get to know him. He is life. He is your very life. Knowing the word is the only true joy. It really is. It settles everything. It is Jesus. It is the strength of our almighty God. It is his substance and his life force. This is very interesting. This is how the phrase, the joy of the Lord is our strength, literally says, delight in Jehovah is a strong tower. Literal translation. Delight in Jehovah. All day long, just go around delighting yourself in Jesus. Delight in Jehovah is a strong tower. That's my job. My job is to delight in Jesus. If I delight in Jesus, I cannot help but walk in the joy anointing. I can't, it, it, it cannot be forbidden me. So when the word is made clear, when there's revelation of the word, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and when you are reading the word, the, he is going to show you beautiful things that you've never seen before. The Holy Spirit is always speaking to you. Always speaking to me. Joy is our anointing. Joy, or we are mantled with joy. We are covered with joy. We are hidden in joy. It is our hiding place. It is our protection. It is our strong power. It helps us stand firm. Jesus is our anointing. When we, yearn, when we learn to yearn and seek after Jesus. Joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, 
O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Beloved, stay yielded. Yes, we mourn when we're imperfect, when we make mistakes, but hallelujah that he has given us a way to walk in the joy. We repent, don't we? We repent. Oh, bad word. Okay, best word you'll ever know in your life is repent, repent, repent. When you make a mistake, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you have something to repent over. And he will bring you back. You see? When, when we make mistakes, we might walk away for a moment. He never walks away from you. Hallelujah. He receives your repentant heart. Hallelujah. So we return to joy and understanding of God's love and mercy and kindness for us. When difficulties come, when attacks come, we just remain true to the word, and joy cannot help but help us rise up and stand strong. Okay? You, you know how we started this year saying take the land, and you guys might think, oh, well, what does this have to do with take the land? Well, it really has everything to do with take the land. Because how can you take the land if you will not yield to the anointing of Christ? See, there's no way. But yielded to the anointing of Christ, you take the land. You see that? So, Jesus was not a normal guy. He walked in the very image, the very anointing of God, and he's given it to you. So you should not be normal. You should not be normal out there. Okay? We are citizens of heaven yielded to his anointing. When we do that, we bring the very atmosphere of heaven to bear on this earth on the things that other people are going through and that we're going through, and it brings victory. Hallelujah. So, that's what the Lord had me talk to you about today. I hope that was a blessing. I trust it was a blessing. We're going to take communion in this church. Anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, communion is open.